and um, what a privilege it is to be here again and to be sharing in the Word of God as we embrace these beautiful summer days with all the heat and um, all the mosquitoes it brings, right? <laughs> so I'm one of those people that I like reading billboards and the signboards along the road, you know? You know, you get those ones along the highway that have the scriptures on or the motivational sayings, just something to brighten up your day a bit. And here's a bit of a funny story. So everyone always asks you, where did you get your child's name from, right? Well, <laughs> turns out we got our daughter's name from a billboard. <laughs> with a real estate board with this beautiful name on and this name stuck in my head for many, many, many years until we were blessed with a beautiful little girl. We did, of course, read up about the meaning of the name before we did gift her with it, right? <laughs> so a while ago, I drove past a well-known school in Benoni and I read their message board. You know that board that they put up that says, exams start 15 November, good luck, or welcome back from the school holidays? So I drove past and instead of having a notice on, this message board had a message on. And this is what it said. It said, let tough times refine, not define you. Let tough times refine, not define you. And I was like, oh, Lord, are you talking to me via school's message board now? Needless to say that this was put up in the midst of the COVID pandemic that we are facing at the moment. You know, what a profound way to just encourage people. So after reading this, I went home and um, God immediately started speaking to me. And I opened up my notepad on my phone and I was writing down all these little golden nuggets that he was sharing with me because of this statement. Let tough times refine, not define you. And I was making note after note after note, and eventually it felt like I had a whole A4 page written on my notepad. So this morning, I would like us to take this statement, and we're going to break it down a bit, and we're going to talk about this, let tough times refine, not define you. And the ultimate goal of our message this morning is talking about God, the refiner. So let's start with what defines us. In other words, who are you? And this reminds me of the intro of the CSI series. I don't know if you guys ever watched it, but I used to watch it with my mom when I was still living at home. You know that song, it goes, who are you? Who, 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 who? <laughs> so it reminds me of this song, who are we? So, who are we, friends? Are we our jobs? Are we our titles? Are we our bank balances? Or are we our marital status, the house that we stay in, or the car that we drive? The world makes us think that these things define us. And in the modern Western world, we are often defined according to four things. Firstly, what you look like, so your outer appearance. Secondly, what you do. So your job or your qualification. The next one is what you have. In other words, your possessions. And lastly, who you know. You know, there's that saying that says, it doesn't matter what you know, it's all about who you know. So these things are what the world wants to define us by. And every time that we buy into this value system that's placed on us, 
Our lives become consumed with I must have, I ought to have, and how can I get people to like me so that I can get what I need, right? It's actually a vicious, never-ending cycle, and it only gives temporary results. It's actually quite tragic when you think about it, and often it's very costly. You know, they say that if it costs you your peace, it's too expensive. So that's what these values that the world place on us does to us. But Jesus Christ comes and he offers an option to this vicious cycle. Rather than basing our identity on possessions, performance, and people, he calls us into the mystery of all ages to experience the true realization that our identity is found in him and not in ourselves. So we're going to turn to Colossians 1 verse 27 and we're going to see what the Bible says about who we are. Have you got it on your phones? So Colossians 1 verse 27, it says this, to them, and who's the them that they refer to? It's the believers in Christ. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I compared this, this is from the NIV, and I compared it with some other translations, and I loved how the message translation said this, and I'm going to put it up on the board for you. The message says this, the, mes- the, the mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. How beautiful is that? So what this passage basically says is that we aren't defined by our jobs. We're not defined by our salaries. We are not defined by our titles, our houses, or our cars. It doesn't matter whether you live in a fancy house in Ibotsi or you stay in a small garden cottage in someone's backyard. You, ma'am, are not defined by whether you are married or divorced. It doesn't matter if you're going through hardships. It doesn't define you. COVID doesn't define us. Sickness definitely does not define us. We are defined by the almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega. And Christ is in you. He created you and he perfectly knitted you together in your mother's womb. He knows all your ins and outs. We can hide nothing from God. He knows our very deepest, darkest secrets. He is our Father And that makes us his sons and daughters. We are heirs to his throne. We are the children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let that just sink in for a bit. We are children of the King. But now remember, it doesn't mean that because we are children of the King that we won't have any hardships. In fact, the word says this in James 1 verse 2, It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. So we will go through tough times, but how are we going to handle it? Are we going to have faith or are we going to have fear? 
And we, when, when we're going through these challenging situations, we often want to change our situation by controlling or manipulating our circumstances in such a way that we fill our brains with plans and ideas and schemes in order to get to a more comfortable place because we fear. So are we going to ask God to change our perspective rather? And how does he do this? He changes our perspective from a human perspective to God's perspective. And to have God's perspective on the difficult things in our lives would be to see those things through the lens of God's design, his purpose, and his way. So God never promises that life's going to be easy, but his word says that he works everything for the good for those who love him. And if we see every negative situation in our lives as a means for God to work good in us, then maybe we won't focus so much on controlling and manipulating our circumstances to feel better. Maybe instead we would begin to see these issues and trials and struggles as opportunities for God to do something transformational in our lives. And maybe, just maybe, the outlook of God at work in our lives would change us at a level deeper than these surface issues that so often derail us, even when our circumstances never change. So don't be defined by the tough times that you are going through, friends. Remember to be defined by God who created you and who is in you. And let's try and see the tough times through God's perspective. Amen? Awesome. Okay, so now that we know who defines us, let's look at the word refine. And I asked my good friend Google, as our millennials do, I said, Google, what is the meaning of the word refine? And I'll let it be known that I always warn my clients against Google. I'm like, do not Google your symptoms because you will get very weird and wacky things. But I gathered that just Googling a meaning of the word refine wouldn't be too bad. So this is what Google says. It says to refine is to remove impurities or unwanted elements from a substance or a person. So in other words, it's to free something from impurities or unwanted material. Synonyms for refine are purify, cleanse, rectify, or elevate. And when we think of elements that go through the refining process, what do we think of? We think of petroleum products like gas and oil, some precious metals like gold and silver, and even sugar. Apparently it makes it less grainy and more consistent. But gold and silver, when it's extracted from the earth, it doesn't look like the gold and silver that you and I see in the jewelry store. In fact, it's not even always recognizable due to all the impurities that mar its appearance. That was a tongue twister for me, and I practiced it, and I still messed it up. (laughs) But for the person that's searching for this piece of gold or silver, even the ugliest lump is of great value, and the potential for beauty is evident because they know what they're looking for. And we, my friends, we are similar to those lumps of unrefined gold. God values us so much that he sacrificed his only son, to show us all the value that he places on us. 
And I would like us to turn to Malachi 3, and we're going to read this verse, and it explains how God refines us and the refining process. Malachi 3, verse 1 to 3. It says, Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver, so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. So God says in this passage that he will refine us like gold and silver. And what does it mean for God to refine refine us? It means that God doesn't see us full of impurity, but full of potential. And he is the refiner, and we are the lump of unrefined gold, full of impurity, but full of potential beauty as well. And this reminded me of a story that was doing its rounds on Facebook. You might have seen it, but it's about a group of ladies that were studying this very verse in Malachi 3. They were having a Bible study, and they read through this verse, and all of them were wondering, how does the refining process actually work? You know, we've all got a vague idea, but we don't really know. So one of the ladies said that she would visit a silversmith to see and to find out how they refine silver, and then she'd get back to them. So off she goes to, to the silversmith, and she asks him, she says, you know, can I please watch what you do? Not telling him her hidden agenda, that she wants to compare it with what the Bible says about refining. He was very willing and said, sure, no problem. And she watched carefully every move that he made. And he was explaining to her step by step what he was doing. So he held a piece of silver over the fire and he let it heat up. And he explained to her, he said, the refining process is very hot, you know. To refine silver, the heat must be applied to force the impurities to the surface. And one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the flames, where the flames were the hottest, as to burn away all these impurities. And as the impurities rise, they are removed, and then more heat is applied. And this process will continue and continue. The heat is applied and reapplied until the silver is pure. And then this lady thought a bit about how God holds us in this hot spot in the middle of the flames. She then recalled the part of the the verse where it says that he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. And she asked the silversmith, she said, is it true that you had to sit in front of the fire the whole time that the silver is being refined? And the man answered, he said, yes, you're right. But not only did he have to sit there holding the silver, he had to keep his eyes on the silver the entire time that it was in the fire. For if it was left a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. 
And then the lady was silent for a moment and she asked him, she said, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? And he smiled at her and he said, that's easy, when I see my reflection in it. And this is such a beautiful analogy of how God refines us. And the three things that stood out for me in this story is that we need to be in the hottest part of the fire for God to purify us. And it's not nice, but that's where we need to be. And it won't only happen once, but it will happen over and over and over until God is satisfied with the purification process. The second thing that stood out is that God always has his eyes on us, especially when we go through the hot, t- uh, the, the hot and uncomfortable and hard times. God has his eyes on us. And then the third thing was that God is refining us to be more like him. So in essence, God uses this heat of life to purify us into a pure picture of him. But we need to go through that refining process. There's no way around it. There's no shortcuts. We have to go through it. And sometimes we expect God to just simply zap the hardships and the difficult times and our problems out of our lives. But that's not the refining process. Not for gold and silver, and definitely not for us. God loves us way too much to simply leave us as we are, because our impure selves can't reflect clearly all of who he is. So remember it says the refining process is hot, and God works in a similar process in us. Our lives are a process of God applying heat and exposing our weaknesses, our faults, our struggles, and our impurities. He applies this holy heat with a purpose. And the heat is hot and it's uncomfortable and we moan. But if we submit, we are day by day being transformed into the likeness of God. And 1 Peter 4 verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So we shouldn't be surprised when God uses trials around us to test us. He tells us in his word that it's going to happen. We shouldn't be surprised. It's not some strange, unnecessary process that's happening. But it's a very real trial that God is purposely using to purify our hearts. And this process will continue to happen again and again, and it will only end when we meet Jesus face to face, and he looks into our faces and he sees his clear reflection. What a wonderful and glorious day that would be to meet our Savior, and he looks at us and he sees his reflection. But then what do we as people do? Oh, we love to play the blame game, right? We blame others for our difficulties and our hardships, always placing the blame on someone or something. Ah, you know, it's because of these stupid potholes. My car got a flat tire. Or I'm late because load shedding caused all the traffic lights to be out of order. Ah, you know, it's this COVID's fault because I couldn't get the operation I needed because the hospitals were full of these sick people. Or it's that person's fault that I lost my job. <laughs> 
But did you ever stop to think that these very things that we contribute to evil may well be used by the refiner of our souls as heat? Heat full of purpose and heat that will ultimately result in purity and joy. So illness may bring fear to the surface, so trust in God can be built. Financial difficulty may rise materialism to the surface. Relational struggles may rise bitterness and unforgiveness to the surface. Disappointment at work may rise pride to the surface. The heat and the trials of our lives are not evidence that God is punishing us or that he has left us. In fact, it's ultimately the evidence of how much God values us and his desire for us to be all that he designed us to be. These trials and the heat will be used by him to refine us. Friends, he values us just as he finds us, but he loves us way too much to just leave us as he finds us. And when we, in return, love and serve God, there's always purpose in this pain that we have. But then again, what do we tend to do when life gets hot and uncomfortable? Our human tendency is to run from the heat. Run, run, run as fast as you can. But what happens to a molten substance when it's removed from heat? It hardens. And in the same way, when we run from God's refining process and the heat that he applies, our lives and our hearts harden. Our impurities set and we simply stagnate. So how do we prevent ourselves from running away from this heat and from our hearts from hardening? We need to pray. And Philippians 4 verse 6 says, don't worry about anything Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So we need to pray and we need to ask God to change our perspectives so that we will begin to see less of what's wrong in our lives and more of what God is trying to refine in our lives. God brings weakness to the surface so that you and I can ultimately be stronger in him so that we can be more like him and that we can be more reflective of him. Let tough times refine, not define you. So let's not walk away from this heat, friends. Let's not take ourselves out of the growth process that God has for us. Let's not hang on to all the dross and the impurities and the gunk that's in our lives. Let's stay close to the refiner And let's choose the refining fire for our lives. And in doing this, let's allow God to write every single story, every single page of our stories. And I would like to end off with a a prayer. And this is really my heart for each and every one of us. And and I pray that as as I'm going to say this prayer, that you would just receive it. And that you would just in your heart just agree with what God is busy doing in our lives. Can we close our eyes, friends? Lord, please don't let us refuse the refinement of your holy fire. We want to be more like you, Father God. 
Please, would you help us to be made into a silver that will reflect you, Father God. Please help our daily struggles to not be in vain, Lord. Help us to see them as an opportunity for you to work in our lives. Amen. Amen.